0: Welcome back to another episode of Mastering Money for Moms podcast, where we're discussing the two greatest generational gifts, raising a family and leaving a legacy. If you would, please like, subscribe, and share our podcast with others so we can help educate more people. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for listening. Today I have with me Candace Pilgrim. She's the co-founder and asset manager of Astra Equity. She holds a bachelor degree in both biochemistry and microbiology, so she's super smart. Prior to turning her focus to real estate, Candace owned and operated a successful electronics wholesale business for eight years. Her real estate journey began with single family rehabs, rentals, private lending, passive investing with her solo 401k, which we'll dig in deeper on in a little bit. In 2018, her focus shifted to active multifamily operations where she excels at asset management. And she's now managing over 500 units across 15 multifamily assets. She currently lives in Birmingham, Alabama. She loves to travel with her husband and her two sons. So thank you for coming on and welcome.
1: Thank you, Jen. I'm happy to be here.
0: Well, so as I mentioned to you before we got on this recording, This is really geared to help moms take control and become the CFO of their households. And you and I have a passion for real estate and you've done a lot in real estate. But I'm curious, here you have a microbiology degree and a biology degree. And um, on top of it, you started an electronics wholesale business, which just seems so different, right? And now you're over in real estate. So give us a little bit, background into how you made that jump.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it was a little bit accidental, a little bit right place at the right time. Um, So I moved to Birmingham from Mississippi to pursue a PhD in immunology. That's what brought me to Birmingham because UAB is a great school for, for that. So once I had gotten into that program, I was really just, I was miserable in the lab I was in, I was way overworked, really just an unhealthy situation where I was losing a lot of weight and just not able to even enjoy life at that point. So I knew that that wasn't really the direction I wanted to continue going. So I ended up walking away from that program, did did not actually get the PhD in immunology. And I was just looking for research associate jobs, trying to figure out what my next move was. I had a friend at the time that uh, he had an electronics wholesale business. He was a, a Samford business student and was about to graduate and move back to LA where he was going to expand his wholesale business. So he offered me to basically form a, a partnership with him where he would share all his vendor contacts in that electronics business here locally in, in the Alabama area. And he would become a customer of mine, his new company to where I could ship to LA and later Hong Kong when he moved back there. So I was like, sure, I never thought I would, I would make a big business into this, I kind of just thought it was an interim way to make a little extra capital while I was looking for a, 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 you know, a research associate position. So I did that and realized, okay, wow, there's no one that, that is doing this in Alabama electronics wholesale. So it's like, this is a huge opportunity. So fast forward about six months later, my husband left his job with AT&T at the time. And. Um, we started building that company and we started branching out and visiting Nashville and Memphis and Jackson and Atlanta and really just expanding that vendor contact base. It was a business-to-business model where we worked with other cell phone stores. So we built that company for eight years. I can never look back to the science. I love science still, but just never, never looked back because I enjoyed building a business and my husband did too. And we had that, that flexibility and freedom to travel, which, which is what we love. So um, we had a ton of success with that with very little competition for a while that that soon changed later in about 2017 competition really started ramping up at that time we had accrued a a good bit of of capital that we wanted to place somewhere, not in the stock market. I didn't, I didn't like the stock market. I couldn't control it enough. So So I started reading uh, investment books, you know, like different asset classes, just trying to kind of hone in on what. I wanted to do with investing our free capital at the time and landed on multifamily. So I started attending conferences and just kind of networking in that space, passively investing first with a few different operators, just trying to kind of learn the business. Um, Didn't really think I would do it actively yet. I really thought we would just passively invest. Um, But after peeking behind the curtain a little bit, I was like, I really love this. I want to do this instead of the electronics business. the multifamily business is a lot more scalable. I felt like than the electronics business. The electronics business, I really it really depended on me because it was my relationship with all these vendors. So it was kind of hard to work on the business instead of in the business. As you hear, like I felt like I was never going to be able to truly step away. So uh, we we started focusing more and more on multifamily, and and now we are full time multifamily. My husband and I both. That's
0: all we do. <laughs> Wow. Okay. So where did the single family homes come in?
1: So this was during the time I was reading about multifamily and single family. And I was reading about the different asset classes. And at first I thought, well, maybe single family is the way to go. That's what everyone else is doing. I didn't know anyone that was doing multifamily at that time. So while it sounded cool, it sounded like too big of a goal right at first. Um, So we did buy a couple of single family rentals that we just renovated and then rented out and refinanced and pulled our capital back out. And I I love that Burr strategy, uh, but it would have taken forever to really get to my goal. Like we would have had to buy like a hundred houses and short of buying a portfolio of homes, you just, that would have taken forever. So I was like, you know, why not just go buy a hundred unit apartment complex rather than a hundred single family homes. So that's why we we switched pretty quickly and started um, just pursuing multifamily after that.
0: Okay. And so most people have partners when they do a multifamily asset. Do you have a team that you work with consistently or, you know, what is your expertise in, in that particular model?
1: Yeah. So I do now. uh, So the very first multifamily deal that I did that was not totally passive was a joint venture on a 96 unit. And I don't even count that in unit count or anything like that, because it turned out I wasn't as active as I was promised to be able to be. So I didn't have a great experience with with those group of JB partners, uh, which made me kind of gun shy of partnering for a little bit. So after that deal, um, we just bought a 40 unit on our own. So we're like, I'm just, I'm not going to take any partners. I'm just going to do this myself, which was a great experience because I learned every role, you know, at the ins and outs of every single role. And I really learned what I like and what I don't like and what I'm good at and what maybe I could use some help with. So then after that one, um, the next deal was a 30 unit where I just took two JV partners, you know, two people that I felt like I could trust. And then after that deal was when I found my Astra Equity partners. So I have three partners in Astra Equity. At first, we just started joint venturing together. So we joint ventured three deals together before we made it official and you know, co-branded and formed Astra Equity. And we really just wanted to make sure that it worked. And, you know, even though it seemed great, you know, when you really get into a deal and start working together on a daily basis, that can change. So we wanted to make sure, but after three deals, we knew it was just, it's it's honestly the perfect partnership. I mean, we all have a different role and a different strength. And we just, it's so fun. We work so well together and, you know, we're slacking all day long. I say slacking, the Slack app for those who know it, that's how we communicate. We have a Slack channel for each deal, but um, there's always slacks flying that we're just laughing about because they keep it so lighthearted and funny. But at the same time, I know I can depend on them to do what they say. And we all have the same goals and visions and, um, uh, couldn't imagine a, a better team and I never thought I would be like a hundred percent committed to one team and pursuing deals with one team, but here I am. And I can't imagine it any other way now.
0: Yeah. Wow. That is, it can really, um, Jolt you when you have a, a bad deal with a bad partner, because I've had one of those too, and it does make you skeptical about ever having another partner. And in fact, I don't partner on any of my single family homes or rehabs or any of those just because it gets messy, you know, and if, so, you know, I'd rather have the friendship Then make the deal work. And so for that, that's the reason I love multifamily too. And I think it's brilliant that you tested out whether or not it was going to work with these particular individuals first, because it is like a marriage.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah. you're you have to date. It's just like yeah. you have to date for a while before you actually jump in and say, I do, right?
0: <laughs> That's right. No, it's it's beautiful. So I'm curious, um, what is your role in all of that? What is your superpower, your strength that you love so much?
1: So my role in strength is asset management. So as I was, as I mentioned earlier, the 40 unit my husband and I did on our own, you know, I had to do everything and I love the asset management piece. Like that's the piece like you can underwrite all day long and look on paper at what the asset should do, but actually making that reality is an art. Like you, there's a lot that goes into just really making sure that all those KPIs are tracked and that you know you, you make sure that the performance of each of those is to its maximum potential, right? And it's, it's just fun to me to really make a pro forma become reality. So so that's what I enjoy, and that was my role within, or is my role within Astra. Now, the other three Astra partners, uh, Jeremy Porto is our acquisitions guy, and he excels in that role. His broker relationships and direct-to-seller relationships are just, they have brought us so many, so much deal flow that I could have never done on my own. Uh, And then we have uh, Rich Trepanier, which is our construction management partner. Uh, he owns Gage Multifamily out of Austin, Texas. So he's done multifamily renovations for years so that he's perfect for that role. And then we have Stuart Dukeman, which is our strategic partnerships partner. And he he's, he's also, he does a little bit of everything, not just strategic partnerships, but also just business consulting in general. Like he makes sure we're growing the right way and, and really treating it as a business because he has a lot of business experience in, in other fields as well. So the four of us together just, Um, we each have our own little role and we help each other with all of our roles to some degree. And we all, you know, join zoom. I feel like every hour of every day, love it, (laughs) but I see them all the time. But yes, it's really awesome. Love, love my role of asset management within the group.
0: That's wonderful. Okay. So I can't, um, you know, neglect to say you have a family, right? You're the mom. And most of those responsibilities, I mean, I'm just going to say it, most of it all falls on the mom, right? The household work, the laundry, um, cooking of the meals, maybe your household is different. Give us kind of a glimpse into your home and how you're able to balance it all because your kids are very, very small right now.
1: Yeah, so it is a little bit different for us. First, I'll kind of say why it's different. So, my six-year-old, when he was a baby, I did pretty much all the the household you know, more traditionally. Like I pretty much handled everything with Carson, my six-year-old. Um, he was attached to me at the hip, so it kind of worked out. But I did everything for him, uh, and my husband he he did a lot more in the business at that time. Like that was the electronics business back then. Well, now fast forward to the multifamily business. I am. The primary face of the business, whereas he used to before my baby, which is about turn one before he was born a year ago, my husband was doing a lot of the boots on the ground construction management for the deals. So like he would drive to the properties, make sure the contractors had done their work and he would report back to Rich, you know, our construction manager for Astra, which is out of state. He would report back to Rich and and say, yes, this is done or this is what needs work. This is the punch list. And then Rich would communicate with the contractors. So he was, he was pretty busy traveling around, you know, my, my oldest was in daycare. So that worked well. Well, then when the baby was born, I told him like, I need help. Like I can't, you know, I can't watch the baby. All. We didn't want to put him in daycare so little, you know, I, I can't watch the baby all day and still asset manage effectively all these deals and you can't drive around to all these assets. So we brought on a construction manager at that time, two, two different construction managers kind of spread out amongst the assets to where. He wasn't having to drive to all the different properties every day. And, and the arrangement was like, he would stay home with the baby and take care of the household while I worked during the day. And he wanted to do that because he never really got to do that with the first. And he regretted that, you know, looking back, he, you know, I did everything for for my oldest and he kind of regretted not having that time. So it gives him more one-on-one time with the baby. And he's kind of the stay-at-home dad, so to speak. And then Um, I handle everything work related and our construction managers drive around all the assets. So it's worked out well.
0: That is such a beautiful um, setup that you have. I just think it's so important. You know, these are years that you'll never get back. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it's just wonderful that you've worked that out. And, you know, that's that's what marriage is all about is coming. You know, you each give a little bit so you can get ahead. And so um, kudos to you all for figuring that out because that can be a challenge and you all can both be a little selfish if you wanted to be, right? And just put them both in daycare and say, you know, we'll let somebody else handle them. This is a great time in our business and we're just gonna surge ahead as fast as we can. But I I love that you are honoring the gifts that you've been given and you're treating them that way. So um, love that. So let's talk a little bit about a, four, a solo 401k, this is new to me, you know, I'm, we have a 401k, and it's growing because my husband has a W-2 income, but I'm unfamiliar with a solo 401k, so kind of enlighten us.
1: Okay, so a solo 401k is a little bit different. It, it is a self-directed IRA. You have full checkbook control, but a solo 401k has a few extra requirements that you must meet to qualify for one. So we started, my husband and I both have one. We started our solo 401k back with the electronics business early on. And the the way we were able to qualify was because we owned our own business, but we had no employees. That's one thing that's really important at that time, to have no employees. Now, later, we were able to transfer that solo 401k to the multifamily business that we run. It still works because even though while we may have employees, we are able to, reinvest the capital that was in our solo 401k from the time we didn't have employees we just can't add any new contributions to it with employees if that makes sense so we're still able to keep rolling over what's in there Um, unlike a self-directed ira there was no limit to what we could contribute i think that there is a limit but it was x percent of our income at that time and our income for a few years was was pretty significant with the electronics business so we were we were able to contribute a, way more than 7500 a year which i think was the ira limit at that time so we were able to to write that off you know as a tax write off at the time unlike a roth ira you know this this one would be the traditional version so uh, it's allowed us to invest in multifamily even early on that's what we primarily used was our solo 401k to invest in multifamily and then we kept rolling it over. Anytime we have capital come back, we invest again. The only stipulation now is we can't invest in any one of our own deals. They don't allow you to be active in the deal that, but it lets us diversify. So we invest with other operators you know, with our solar 401k. So yeah, okay. it's a very powerful tool. One thing I will bring up though is you know, the tax benefits of multifamily are unmatched. I mean, you can't, you can't get those tax benefits anywhere, any other investment. I know of. there might be a few other similar, you know, self-storage and things of that nature, but um, with multifamily with the 100% bonus depreciation and the cost segregation studies and just the powerful tax benefits you, would, you you can't really benefit from that if you're using a solo 401k because it's already tax deferred, right? So just kind of think about that, I guess, if you're considering investing and you only have X amount of capital to put in, you might want to use your, you know, your cash account rather than your solo 401k and use your solo 401k to invest in something that maybe doesn't already have amazing tax benefits, like the stock market, you know, that would defer those taxes until a later date.
0: Right. So what I hear is the difference between a traditional IRA or a Roth or excuse me, a traditional IRA and the solo is the solo is really designated for people that are entrepreneurs that have no employees. Is that correct? Correct.
1: Yes. Okay.
0: Okay. Okay. And I
1: I do want to say, too, I haven't I haven't read up or researched up on the requirements since probably 2014 or so. So anyone that's listening might want to go do their own research on this, talk to your CPA, you know, something may have changed since then. But at that time, that was the requirement was, um, you know, you own your own business, no employees. And the big difference was the amount you could contribute each year and and therefore get a tax write-off versus a traditional self-directed IRA Was the limit was much lower. And I believe it was 7,500 per year at that time.
0: That's that's great. I appreciate you sharing that knowledge with us and educating me as well. So thank you for that. Um, it sounds like you've had just an easy path of success. Were there has there been any challenges or any mer- mental hurdles that you have had to personally overcome in this journey of yours?
1: You know, we've we've been very fortunate to not have any huge challenges. Now, obviously, there's day to day challenges or stressors like anyone else has. But in terms of like just a, a big challenge, not really. Um, now, personally, I'm sure many moms listening have struggled with this as well. But personally, I have struggled a lot with just the mom guilt and trying to make sure I'm spending enough time with the and quality time with the kids to not be mentally not present because I'm thinking about, you know, what's happening over here at this property or what I need to do tomorrow. Or, you know, it's, sometimes it's, it's very hard to separate that and, and be physically present and spend that quality time. So I feel like I've been working on that since my six-year-old was born. Like I, it's always been a struggle for me because I'm very type A and I'm very like, I want I, I unless everything is checked off my list, I can't truly relax. So I'm aware and I'm, I've am i been working on that. So that's been my biggest struggle, I feel like.
0: That's awesome. Um, I appreciate you sharing that. I can tell you, even as a stay-at-home mom who had four kids, I still never felt enough. Like I never gave a child enough of my time. So I don't think that ever goes away. You know, we just do the best we can, right, with the time we're given and and trying to do like what you've done. You recognize that it's a limitation of yours and you're trying to get better each and every day. So thank you. Um, Is there anything that I haven't asked you that you feel like is important that you'd like to share? It can be anything.
1: Hmm. Well, while we're on the topic of mom guilt and parenting, and I think especially for your audience of moms, I I wanted to share, I'm actually reading a book right now uh, called, If I Have to Tell You One More Time, and this is by Amy McCready. (laughs) So, you know, Jen, you're probably the same way, but you probably read a ton of like, you know, multifamily books, real estate books, self-improvement books, but you know, I had this, this moment a few weeks ago where I was like, why am I not reading parenting books? <laughs> like, I pour all this time into to, to the business and to other things, but, but parenting is like our most important job, I feel like, so why am I not? So anyway, I started reading this book and uh, it's, it's so good because it really focuses on what type of parent you are uh, based on your personality type. And ba- there's like a little quiz in the beginning. And then based on the type of parent you are, it gives tips for how to just little changes you can make that's like very effective in parenting and, and, you know, your and therefore your kid's behavior and the kind of person they become. So I was like, why have I not done this before? So I just wanted to share that for any moms listening. Uh, you know, business is great. Real estate, you know, if we're all about being successful in business and real estate, but it's also important to be successful as a parent, so
0: It's probably the best gift because or the greatest gift. Because if you you know, we've heard it time and time again, people get wealthy and then they don't have their family beside them because they lost them along the way. They became too consumed with that. And honestly, if you're if you're doing things right, you're putting your family ahead of your business and being mindful that you're creating your legacy and they're going to go off and emulate you one day. And I'll tell you the greatest age for your kids, at least that we're experiencing today is in their 20s and that they want to be around you. They want to come back for the holidays. They want to spend time with you. They want to call you on the phone and FaceTime and, and they love one another as siblings and they they love that dynamic. And it's just such a beautiful gift that we give ourselves if we can go the distance. And I know that there's so many years that you feel like you're just, you're sinking. You're you just, you all you can do is, you know, you're paddling as hard as you can each day to keep ahead. But once you get to the 20s, it's just such a beautiful thing. And, and the teens aren't bad if you've been involved and engaged in their lives and you, you you just work through whatever they're going through, you know, and become vulnerable with them. Um, Man, it's just such a great gift that you give yourselves and, and to them. So. Thank you for staying here, staying or sharing your story, sharing your, you know, being vulnerable with us, sharing that book. I'm sure a lot of moms will appreciate that. So thank you for taking time to be here today.
1: You're very welcome. Thank you so much for having me all.
0: All right. For all of my audience, I'm sure you got a lot of valuable nuggets out of this and we wish you a wonderful day and we look forward to the next episode. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mastering Money for Moms podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, follow, and leave a rating or review because it helps support the growth of this podcast. Also, I'd be so grateful if you would please share our podcast on Instagram and tag me at Mastering Money for Moms to help us grow our community of mothers. We'll see you on the next episode of Mastering Money for Moms.